Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm going to go ahead and get into this here and, uh, and bring up my experience at the America's Frontline Doctors White Coat Summit. It was their one-year uh, one anniversary. Uh, they decided to have it in San Antonio, Texas. I was fortunate enough to be invited. Um, it was certainly interesting. That's putting it mildly. Uh, I'm going to describe some of the things that I heard. Um, in fact, I'm just going to describe everything that I heard, uh, a lot of the things that I saw, and I'm going to tell you this is going to be a little bit different because I was, um, I don't want to say disappointed, but there were a lot of things that I didn't hear that I wanted to hear. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people there who are not on the same page about a number of different things. And I personally thought uh, that that was a bit disappointing. I wanted to hear a little bit more about, again, uh, you know, t totalitarianism. I didn't hear it. Uh, I just didn't hear it. Even even some of the medical terminology that was being used was being misused. And I and I again thought that that was remarkably unfortunate. But I want to start with the beginning and kind of work my way through the day. I was there for. Again, the, the vast majority of the entire day. There were two separate rooms that were also um, hosting this, this, this event. There was a larger room, which had all of the medical information, so to speak, and the people speaking about medicine. And then there was a smaller room with lawyers, and they were talking about the legal aspects of particular things. And then there was a citizen corps portion uh, toward the end of the conference, which again was talking a lot about education and what's gone on in education. So let me start with when I when I first showed up. When I first showed up, again everything was great. Um, I was you know I, I was greeted appropriately, professionally. Everything was a hundred percent great. Met some great people. Um, met an excellent doctor and and her husband, who's an airline pilot, and they were talking about both of their lines of work. Um, they described how they homeschooled their children. It was the greatest decision that they ever made. She was one of America's frontline doctors as well. And uh, it was just an honor to meet them, and they clearly have their heads on straight, and uh, just very nice people, to say the least. Um, we made our way inside eventually, and then I found my way over to a seat, and I sat down, and I basically stayed there the entire time. Now, to give people some perspective as to my experience attending conferences like this, I think it it's worth providing a bit of a background. I've been attending conferences like this since I was a child. My dad was in higher education for over 45 years. I would tag along with him to conferences when I was a little kid. And when I was in middle school and high school, I would go with him to these conferences, and I would typically sit in the back. And again, that's how I learned the best. I usually sit in the back. I sit in one of the back corners. That way I can see the entire room. I can gauge how the entire room is reacting to particular things, whether it be the speaker or the message or whatever it is that's being said. And then you can sort of see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff with the technical people and what's going on. It's just a, a, a better way for me to observe the room. Not to mention, I really don't like people behind me in a large room like that. So I tend to, again, be toward the back, and then it's a little more comfortable that way. Anywho, um, I was in there, and... 
when I first walked in, they were doing this press video. Now, the thing to keep in mind is that this entire thing was being filmed, the whole conference, all the speakers, and apparently all of that's going to be up on their website if you're interested in checking it out. Um, all the different videos are going to be there, you name it. But I walked in and they were doing a sort of a, it, it, they weren't taking questions of any kind. They were just talking about some of the legal aspects and the the word usage that was being used and and the crimes that have been committed here and i and i thought that all of that was was great in fact some of the more hardened lawyers in the room who were up on the stage and again they were all sort of up there all talking just one at a time coming up to the microphone talking one at a time but they were they were actually using the word conspiracy which i thought was great because I'm finally starting to hear this word. And thank God people are starting to use it appropriately because they were talking about, yes, this is a conspiracy. It's called lying. And people lie. And it's and criminal conspiracy is just that. It's criminal. It's against the law. So all of these individuals conspiring to do what they're doing right now with withholding drugs, not giving appropriate treatment, not providing informed consent, etc., etc., not to mention the eugenics program that's taking place right now. Um, all of this is a giant conspiracy, and rightfully so. But I'm going to get into the word manipulation a little bit later and sort of throughout, because that was one of the more unfortunate parts that I was hearing. They are not on the same page when it comes to word usage, and it was pretty evident that that's the case. And it's also pretty evident that they don't know the definitions of the word vaccine, pandemic, or what the acronym COVID stands for, because they were using all of those words constantly. And it was, it was not good. Um, okay, so there was that. Once that little lawyer-slash-doctor um, comment section was over, that, again, they recorded, clearly, and... I would assume is, is going up online someplace, probably on their website, of course. Um, they decided to, to, to do something that I personally thought was embarrassing. And I understand the message at heart. I mean, I, I get why they did it. I just disagree with it. <clears throat> so here's what happened. And this lasted for at least one hour. So... The entire schedule that we all have that we're looking at that has times and who's going to be speaking and whatever. With, with every wasted minute, all of those times are getting shuffled backwards which later into the day. Which means the, the, the pamphlet that everybody has with all of the times on it is now immediately inaccurate. None of it's accurate anymore. And again, that too was, I thought, unfortunate because, again, I'm looking at this through the lens of an effective educator, as I clearly used to be one, and I am tooting my own horn on that. I was an effective educator, and any effective educator worth their salt will tell you that even if you're attending these conferences or you're teaching in a classroom, you have to maximize your time, and you don't waste it. You have to maximize it as best as you can. You have to utilize every minute. You don't play scavenger hunts. You don't sing and dance. You get right down to brass tacks. And I thought that they were going to do that, and they didn't. And here's what happened. And I, you can't make this up. They spent an hour 
choreographing, and then ultimately singing the song, We Are the World. And they did it twice. They wanted to get two takes of it. It was all for promotional stuff and what have you. And I think right here, this was really the beginning of the cave-in for me. And here's why. The song We Are the World, back when it was first written, I believe, by Quincy Jones. He at least co-wrote it. Quincy Jones isn't exactly the uh, model citizen of the world. I'll put it that way. And that's putting it kindly. That song in itself... And again, they were saying this consistently, which I thought was interesting. They were saying, well, you need to read the lyrics. Read the lyrics of the song. They mean something. And I'm saying to myself, everybody knows, well, clearly not everybody, but most of us know that We Are the World is a globalist anthem. It's globalism. We're all the same. Nobody's different. We all need to help each other all of the time, no matter what, all in one place, together, X, Y, Z. It was, it was a globalist, one world, new world order anthem. That was the purpose of the song. Not to mention, and it really was, and if you don't believe me, again, you can look this up anywhere. I mean, I recommend BitChute to look up this information because it's the truth. That's number one. Number two, the people who sang the song when that song was recorded, half of them were child predators and child traffickers, and the other half were victims of child trafficking and pedophilia. So, I just don't think it fit. Again, I understand that they were trying to do this promotional thing, but frankly, from an instructional standpoint, it delegitimizes the seriousness of what's going on. Totalitarians don't give a damn about song and dance. I mean, when was the last time you heard of someone in the jungles of Vietnam during the Vietnam War doing the Charleston? That person would have been shot. That person would have, would have been killed. And they would have gotten the people around them killed because they would have been yelling, Hey, Eddie, cut it out with the Charleston. We're here trying to do some serious work. And then Eddie would have been shot, and then the people warning Eddie would have been shot, and then it would have all caved in very quickly. And that would have been the end of it, because Eddie was doing the Charleston in the middle of the jungle in Vietnam. Now, I'm saying that as comic relief to some extent, but you get my point. I just don't think that it had its place. And my personal opinion, again, whoever made that decision and thought that was a good idea, <clears throat> I'm telling you, I think you made a mistake. I think it was just a mistake. Now, with that said, once the song and dance decided to end, and they had children in the front row who were throwing masks into a garbage can, and again, it was all choreographed and whatever else, and not, not very well choreographed, but the, 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 the point was there, and I certainly got it, and people in the room were singing at the top of their lungs, and I mean, it, I don't know, it was embarrassing. <clears throat> I thought it was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for them. I, again... I'm looking at it through the lens of maximizing time. You're trying to maximize time. That's the point. Maximize the time that you're there by providing the most accurate information you possibly can within that time span. So that took, again, roughly one hour, at least. At least. And then there was a complete technical cave-in. 
So for the next hour and a half on top of that already lost hour with the singing and dancing, you now have two and a half hours lost in the middle of this conference, which means, again, referring back to the pamphlet, every single time that's listed on that pamphlet is now shoved down two and a half hours. This conference was supposed to end around 2.45. I was there well past four o'clock in the afternoon. So that should give you some some gauge as to how how uh, you know off schedule everything was. Now again, I'm not blaming them for the technical snafu. I understand stuff like that happens. Not a big deal. So that happened. Then they finally got then they finally got straight. So you had two rooms going on. Again, there was the big medical room on the left, and then on the right it was the legal room where they were talking about the law. I stayed in the medical room for the vast majority of the day because I wanted to hear what they would say. I wanted to hear the word usage. I wanted to hear if there were trends in their own word usage. I wasn't I wasn't even looking at it through such a critical lens where I was trying to criticize them. That wasn't the point. The point was is I wanted to hear if they were going to take it to the next level. Were they going to mention communism, totalitarianism, what all of that means? Were they going to go there? Were they going to use the word conspiracy correctly? Were they going to use other words correctly? Were they going to bring up um, graphene oxide in the masks? Were they going to bring up the faulty PCR test nature and the ethylene oxide, a known carcinogen that's in those tests? Were they? Uh, and, and the fact is, is they didn't. I didn't hear it once. I didn't hear it one time. And it really was disappointing. I thought to myself, good God almighty, we've got a room full of doctors and lawyers here and nobody's bringing this up. I was hoping that they'd also say this, and I read this just the other day, but that apparently now Bill Gates and George Soros know that the PCR test is faulty and they are creating their own test for people to take. Chew on that one for a minute. Two of the largest eugenicists in the world. Eugenicism, by the way. Eugenics. Another word I didn't even hear. Population control. Didn't even hear that either. This is alarming that we're not hearing these words from these doctors. We're not hearing any of this. That's a big problem. But apparently, George Soros and Bill Gates are creating their own test. I wonder if these doctors know that. Do you think that test is going to be valid? Do you think it's going to be healthy to take? No, it isn't. It's going to hurt people. But people will blindly walk into the slaughterhouse because that's what's happening. And again, it's an excellent meme that exists out there, and it's 100% true. The only thing that's been washed more than hands in the last two years or year and a half are brains. That's it. And I, again, just what I—it was—it was just what I wasn't hearing, and then again, the inappropriate word usage of what I was hearing. I, I thought some of that was alarming too. So, getting into the talks now. Doctor Gold talked. I'll talk about her a little bit later because I had an interesting interaction with her, or a lack of an interaction for that matter. Um, Doctor Clark talked about public health response during the pandemic. Again, there's the word pandemic. So just going through the, the manual itself here, 
COVID is in this, the word pandemic is in this, and neither one of those things are real. COVID does not stand for SARS-CoV-2. It stands for Certificate of Vaccination Identification. They want people to be human barcodes. They want to control people's behavior and their health with 5G input. They want to microchip people so that they're paying for everything with with a chip in their body. And then that chip can be blown up or limited so that a person can't even access their own money. This is the point. That's what COVID stands for. But these doctors don't know that and they're not saying it appropriately. The word pandemic. There has not been a pandemic yet. There still isn't one. We're not stepping over bodies. There's no gas biological agent floating around in the air. That's not happening. It's not a pandemic. The only pandemic here is stupidity. That's been the only pandemic that's taken place over the last year and a half plus. So again, the word usage is alarming. Um... I'm going to butcher his name, but it was it was a hell of a story and, and something that's worth repeating. Uh, Dr. Steve Latulpe, if I'm saying that right, he gave a presentation on censorship and the price of medical cancel culture. He was a doctor in Oregon, and he was stripped of his medical license for telling his patients that masks aren't effective and are remarkably unhealthy. And he said something I thought that was really, really cool. And he basically said, and I'm paraphrasing him, but he said, if, if telling the truth regarding medicine is now part of sort of the police state and that people are being policed and reprimanded for telling the truth about medicine and healthcare, then that right there should tell you all that you need to know. And he's right. The problem is, is that that's not new. That's been going on for a very long time. Countless, countless individuals have been jailed for fraud because they're telling the truth, but somebody else thinks that what they're saying is fraudulent. So they charge them with fraud and then they jail them and et cetera, et cetera. This has been going on for quite some time. Not a new thing. Horrific story. It's a horrific story. He was talking about have, having to sell everything that he owned. I've been there. I've done that. I know what that's like. Um, but it, it was it was heartbreaking, to say the least. So I, I liked his presentation a lot. Uh, it was very good. There were a lot of great presentations. There really were. I, I, I don't want that to be lost on anybody. Because, again, I think that America's Frontline Doctors has, has a place. And I think that their place is still for the people that aren't awake yet. But I'm not sure that America's frontline doctors is for the people who are awake. I'm further ahead of the curve than they are. I'm bringing up things on my podcast that they're not even touching. I mean, they're not even touching these things that I bring up on this podcast or the things that I write about. They're not touching them. So that right there should tell you again, they have their place. I'm grateful for the drugs that they offer. I'm grateful for the telemedicine. That's a, that's a big deal and that's an important thing and people need to have that. Because again, in the future, people are going to stop offering hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin on a regular basis, I'm afraid. But again, that too was something that, that, that I didn't hear. I didn't hear people bringing up future predictions of what they think is going to happen. That would have been nice to hear. There's nothing wrong with providing a, a, an educated guess using the scientific method as to where you think, where you, think you see things going. 
and don't be afraid to do that. So I would suggest to them, if they were willing to take a suggestion, which they're probably not, but if they were, make some predictions. Make some realistic predictions here. Look at the entire map. Connect some dots. Make some predictions. If you're right, great. If you're wrong, great. You at least warned people in the process. And it's not fear-mongering. That's not what this is. And I don't fear-monger on this podcast. Again, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but I, I, you know, I've had some people uh, in the past say on Gab, well, it's fear-mongering. It's fear-mongering. No, it's not. It's not fear-mongering. It's called telling the truth. We need to get our words right. We need to use words correctly here. It's telling the truth. Because again, I'm going to use a war analogy here. The person who's standing in the jungle holding on to a gun, who's dressed the part, okay? They've got fatigues on, they got the helmet, they got the jacket, they're holding, they're holding a gun. If that person is standing there while bullets are whizzing by, and they think that they've got it all figured out because they're dressing the part, they don't have it all figured out. If they don't have the courage to pull the trigger, that person's going to get killed, and that person's going to get other people killed. So that's not good. So I, I, I would encourage, again, these individuals to have the courage to pull the trigger on, on, on the accurate word usage and the things that need to be said at these conferences. And for God's sakes, make a prediction from time to time. I do it constantly. I do it constantly. Anybody listening to this knows that. I do it constantly. But I'm not, I'm not pulling stuff out of thin air and just going, I bet this happens. You know what I think is going to happen? This is going to happen. No, I'm connecting dots. And when you read and you're well-read, you can do that because history repeats itself. But more importantly than that, people repeat history and behaviors repeat among individuals. I'm going to get into that a little bit later, too. <clears throat> so the all right. So back to the presentations, they, they continue to go on. Um, and here's where one of the hiccups really occurred. Dr. Robin Armstrong uh Black American doctor, again, very knowledgeable individual, gave a presentation titled Options for the Frail and Healthy Elderly. This is where the word usage cave in really, really showed up big time. And then you saw for the rest of the presentations after that, there was a giant shift in, in the word usage. He was using the word vaccine a lot. And he and Dr. Gold, again, with respect, but he and Dr. Gold have something in common, and it's not something that I think is a good thing. It's that they tiptoe around the issue of taking these jabs. They'll say, well, you need to be informed, and you need to be informed, and you just need to be informed so that you can make the best decision for you, so that you can make the best choice. They, the two of them were saying that over and over and over again. That's a huge mistake. We're talking about a eugenics poison. That only has one avenue, and there is no choice there. There's no choice. You don't take it. And I'm not hearing people say that. I didn't hear it at this conference. If you were to ask Dr. Judy Mikovits, Dr. Mikovits, what what should, should, should people take these shots? Should they take any shots? Should they take vaccinations? She will look you point blank in the face and say, no, don't ever take this under any circumstance whatsoever. And when she was asked once at a recent conference, is there such thing as a safe vaccine? Her answer was no. 
I agree with her 100%. I didn't hear America's frontline doctors say that. And that's a problem. Because we're not talking about a vaccine, we're talking about a eugenics poison. And as I just said, the end game for that only has one avenue. And it's called death. And that's it. It doesn't prevent against anything. It doesn't have an isolated anything in it. It's filled with poison. Graphene oxide, among, among countless other things, it rips your RNA in half. It renders you immunocompromised. And again, they were, they were tiptoeing around this. They weren't, they weren't punching it right in the gut, which is where it needed to be hit. I didn't hear it. I just didn't hear it. So then he started to tell a story, Dr. Armstrong, about his mother. And he said uh, that he suggested that his mother not get it, that there's no reason for her to get it. And here's, here was his rationalization. Not the fact that it's a eugenics poison. You'd think that'd be reason enough. But he said because she's overweight, she has hypertension, she's older, she just doesn't need to take it because it's, it's probably not going to do anything and there are therapeutics and whatever. And again, I'm saying to myself, that's not good enough. The answer has to be, don't take it, ever, under any circumstance. So I can't for the life of me figure out why they're not going there, why they're not saying that. Is it because they don't want to alienate people? They don't want to alienate people that have already taken the jabs? I don't, I don't know. But they're not saying what needs to be said regarding that. And again, I just thought it was unfortunate. But once Dr. Armstrong was done, Dr. Farella, who again was kind enough to come on this podcast, she, she, she gave a great presentation as well. And again, all, these, these presentations were informative. There's no doubt about it. Lots of information, lots of good stuff. Dr. Farella gave a great presentation about children and the mask wearing and they need to see each other's faces and XYZ, and she's 100% right. I didn't hear anything about the poison of the mask. I would have liked to have heard that. That one of the number one causes of cancer is oxygen deprivation. That's what the mask does. It increases the amount of CO2 inside of the individual, which is one of the leading causes of cancer. Didn't hear that. Again, just one of those things. I didn't hear it. Uh, Dr. Lee Merritt stood up while um, Dr. Farella was, was getting her presentation together, and there were some technical snafus there, no big deal. But uh, Dr. Merritt stood up and, and started to talk about some stuff as well and how um, she had been transmitted on by somebody who had taken the jabs and was able to go back in time and figure out exactly where and when in her own head. Um, again, it, it, there's no doubt that, that Dr. Farella and, and Dr. Merritt command a room. They have a presence about them that commands the room because they're, they're knowledgeable people. There's no doubt about it. I still think that they have more to learn about totalitarianism and where this is all going. I, you know, I, I just, like I said, I didn't hear it. I wasn't hearing the things that I wanted to hear. There was one person in the crowd who asked, who did ask Dr. Merritt, just sort of sh shouted it out you know, talk about the, the spike protein shedding, quote unquote, or the transmission. And they did a little bit. But other than that, I didn't hear anybody else talking about the shedding aspect or the transmission aspect of this. I didn't hear it in any presentation, not one. It was an, it was a anecdotal question 
in between presentations that just happened to be caught on microphone because Dr. Merritt was mic'd up at the same time. That was it. I would have loved to have had or, or listened to an entire presentation about just that, about people being around people who have had the jabs and how they're transmitting this on to them, transmitting a harmful immune response to them. Now, this is where I'm going to go off a little bit on another subject, which I think bears repeating. I've brought it up before in the past on my podcast. I'm going to bring it up again. I do not believe at this stage of the game, as far as medicine is concerned, that you can pass viruses on from one person to the other through coughing or sneezing on them. Viruses live in the bloodstream. That's it. If a person has an immune response to something, then that's all that that is. The common cold, the flu. We call them the cold, we call them the flu. It's an immune response. It's, it's your body's way of doing what it's supposed to do. It's getting rid of dead cells. It's getting rid of over-toxified cells. That's supposed to happen. When that person who's experiencing that is around other people, only the unhealthy or the weakened immune systems around with those other people are going to feel that effect inside of their own body. Not because they touched them, not because they coughed on them, not because they sneezed them, sneezed on them. It's because of proximity, because they're around them. And their own immune system says, alert, alert, alert. We have a problem here. There's a person around here who is ill, and now we are going to make you ill so that your immune system is stronger in the end as a result, hopefully, and we're going to get rid of the toxic cells in your body. Now, we all know the difference between a cold and a flu. You usually don't have a fever with a cold. You have a fever with the flu. That's usually the way that that works. What do they say? Feed a cold, starve a fever. Well, there you have it. It has nothing to do with coughing on anybody. It has nothing to do with sneezing on anybody. But I didn't hear that either. Because again, we're talking about individuals who have gone through medical school. They're all told that you can cough a virus on somebody, that you can sneeze a virus out on somebody. No, you can't. It doesn't work that way. I'm convinced it does not work that way. That's my opinion, but I'm not alone in that regard. I think that the virus lie is perpetuated in textbooks, movies, propaganda. And then again, if, 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 if a doctor believes that, and believes that that's the way that that operates. I mean, my God, God help us all then at that point, because then what are they telling other people? So that point right there was a, was, was a big thing that I wish I would have heard a little bit more of. But again, you have to take into account the people that are there, the audience, and you know, people aren't going to bring up what they don't know. And again, this is that that's my opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion. I'm not pulling punches here. That's my opinion. So that was my take on that. Um, again, Dr. Merrick gave a great presentation on what VAERS really is and how they manipulate the numbers in XYZ. Uh, Dr. Jeff Mitchell gave another presentation as well, but they never, they, they just didn't take it to the next level. Dr. Mitchell brought up how there are next to zero deaths and zero cases, which we all know a case is simply someone taking a test, a coronavirus faulty test. That's what a case is. So when they say cases are up, cases are up, that, that just means that, they've, that you've had enough people taking these tests 
that are faulty. It doesn't mean that anybody's actually ill. But he was talking about the continent of Africa and the countries within Africa and how they didn't have a problem with any of this. Because they, again, have, excuse me, they have hydroxychloroquine at their disposal. They have other, other medicines that are over-the-counter at their disposal. Um, I've even been told that prednisone, a very common steroid that helps a lot of people, even with a common cold or the flu, is, um, is over-the-counter in third-world countries. So again, there you have it. Again, some of that was kind of brought up regarding the availability of medicine and, and, and what's going on here in our country, but they never made the connection as to this all being a giant on purpose. And that was a huge problem for me. They still don't get it that we're watching a giant eugenics program roll out right now. And it's been rolling out for quite some time. And this was the plan. If Hillary Clinton was to get into office, the plan was to have this entire thing stretch itself out over the course of 5, 6, 10, 20 years. And then countless people would be dead. Not just because of fear, but because of all the dominoes that, that get knocked over with that. Drug addiction, suicide, you name it. Homelessness. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And again, those things were brought up at this conference regarding those specific things that have occurred as a result of the quote-unquote lockdowns and, and whatever else. But, um, but, but making the leap to eugenics was not made. Making the leap to population control was not made. And that was a huge, huge mistake, I think. A huge misstep and a huge missed opportunity. Um, let me see here. Again, it was after Dr. Robin Armstrong's presentation where the doctors all started to basically say, hey, look, we've got to stop calling it a vaccine. we got to cut this out. we got to stop calling it a vaccine. So what do we call it? And then they started coming up with these different names. But they kept saying the words, covid and pandemic. And they've got to stop saying that. They have to stop it because they themselves in trying to spread the truth are still spreading disinformation. And that's a big problem. Again, I'm not saying I've got it all figured out, but I understand word usage and what they really mean. So my recommendation again to them would be to not do that. Um, Dr. Mark McDonald gave a great presentation regarding the individual and national psychological trauma of 2020. I wish he'd have gone a little bit further with it again, because he didn't. They sort of all seem to toe a line. They come right up to the edge and then they back away. They come right up to the edge and they back away. And I'm convinced that maybe it's just because they don't know what's really going on, that they don't know that this is a giant, like I said, a giant on purpose. But he told a, you know, a horrific story of a family that he was treating, um, two parents and at least one child who had locked themselves in their home during this entire time. And again, he's a clinical psychologist. So he was describing this family and how they were all masked up, including the child. And there may have been more than one child, but the child was on an iPad pumping away on the iPad, and they were describing how, again, they, they wouldn't leave the home. Um, they wouldn't go out anywhere. They wouldn't go to the grocery store. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It was, it, was, it was clearly bizarre, and I'm not sure how the, they even functioned as a family, but 
they were full-blown brainwashed. I mean, they would just turn on their TVs and, and just stare at the television with their mask on. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I live right down the street from a woman, bless her heart, who wears gloves and a mask all of the time, uh, walking around. It's really bizarre. Again, we're talking about serious brainwashing here. And I wish that he'd have taken it to that step with the brainwashing. I wish that, and again, he kind of did. I'm not saying that he didn't, but you know, there was there was some more storytelling that was taking place, and sort of some generalities that were being made, rather than diving into the fact that they want your mind broken, and that that's the point. Because if your mind is broken, the enemy gets what they want one of two ways: you either die, or they control you. It's one of the two. And if they control you, they're going to control you to the point of death. That's, that's the point. That's evil. That's what we're talking about here. Those, that, that point that I just made wasn't said in any of this. It wasn't said. It's as if they don't understand, again, the motives of totalitarians. And it was really, <clears throat> excuse me again, it was really problematic. I just thought that there was an opportunity there that uh, that was lost. Um, Dr. Farella gave another presentation, and then that's when I that's when I left the room. I left the room and I went next door. And this is, again, this was interesting as well, and this kind of wrapped up the day for the most part. But I went into the next room where the Citizen Corps was 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 giving presentations, and. I'm going to do my best to get these names correct here, but Dr. Gold introduced the Citizen Corps, uh, and there was a discussion about apparently um, what's going on in schools and XYZ. Uh, a guy gave a presentation by the name of Mark Brumbaugh titled Politics Ruined Our Lives. I wasn't there for that presentation. Uh, I missed his presentation, but I did catch these other ones. Steve Daniels gave a presentation regarding parents fighting back against school districts. Again, it was a lot of going up against school boards and, and showing up in numbers and pressuring them to do this and do that. Um, very energetic. He, he knew what he was talking about. And, and this was really the first time uh, where I was, where, where it was during these presentations where I started to hear people say that they need to walk away from American K-12 schools. And that was refreshing to hear. I thought, finally, finally now people are saying it, and, and there are people on this stage that are saying it, and that's excellent, and that has to happen. Um, let the entire house of cards fall, but it can only fall with one thing, and that's a lack of participation. That's it. If you're participating in it still, and you're trying to fix the acts or behavior of a totalitarian and an abusive totalitarian, which is redundant, but you're not going to get what you want. You're always going to lose. Because the thing that people have got to keep in mind here is that American K-12 and university institutions have already crossed the line of abusing children and their own staff members. They've already done it. They've already been there. They've played that card, which means they'll play it again. They'll play it again. It won't matter how many parents scream and yell at a board meeting. It really won't. That's not the way that it works. 
And you can't replace, by the way, a school board because you just show up and shout at them and then they all go home. The only way that you do that, the only way that you replace school board members is by running against them in a future election or the individual resigns. And they usually resign again because they're exhausted or they resign because of illegality or they resign because of embarrassment or guilt or whatever it may be. But you can't just show up at a board meeting and then re-elect new board members. I wish it worked that way. And maybe it does. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe you can. Maybe that's our God-given constitutional right and we get to do that. And maybe the school board members don't know that we get to do that. I'm not sure. But the point is this, is that the abusive line has already been crossed by school administrators, teachers, you name it. And again, I wasn't there for the entire presentations of of the of the um of the citizen corps educational series but i caught i caught all but one of the speakers i didn't hear anybody say anything about how every single k12 and university professor and teacher and administrator are all in breach of contract that all of them broke their contractual obligations regarding mask wearing, distancing, hanging shower curtains, and creating an unhealthy learning environment. That's a fireable offense. End of story. You can and should be fired for such things, and every single teacher or administrator that's gone through with any of this should be fired because they haven't rewritten their contracts. They haven't signed new contracts with that written in them somewhere. Maybe they are written in there somewhere now that abusing children is, you know, considered a mainstay of, uh, of American public education. But this is a huge problem. And I, and I, again, I just didn't hear that. I would have liked to have heard that, that they were all, that they're all in breach of contract. That if this were 2019 and they'd have done that, they'd have been arrested, psychologically evaluated, fired from their job, and they would have lost their teaching certificate and never be allowed to teach ever again because they're a crazy person. I didn't hear that. No one said that. So again, disappointing. There was another very passionate speech um, that was given. And I think it, I think it was Tracy Ford, if I'm not mistaken. And if I got, if, if I'm getting the, the name wrong, I, I apologize, but they were a speech and language, uh, therapist. And they, again, a hundred percent accurate. They were saying, look, I lost my job because I wouldn't wear the mask. I wouldn't take the jab. Uh, that's why, that's why I, I got out. I'm paraphrasing her excellent, her excellent talk, but that was, that was the gist of it. And it was fantastic. Um, so that, that was that. That was the end of those presentations. So here's what happened. At the end of those presentations of the Citizen Corps, the day was winding down. And doctors were already leaving, by the way. I mean, many of them had already left. Um, but Simone Gold was still going to give more talks, apparently. Simone Gold came back into the room during the end of the Citizen Corps thing, and she said a few words at the top of the stage, and then she walked off the stage. And I could see her on the left of the stage. And I thought to myself, okay... I've got four copies of my latest book in my bag here. I've got some podcast cards. I'm going to give her uh, a free book. I'm not going to charge her $100 like she charges people to buy one of her books. Um, but I'm just going to give it to her for free. Who cares? I, I don't care. It's information. Information should be free for the most part. Um, certainly shouldn't cost $100. But 
I'm going to give her a free book and a card. And, uh, and there you have it. So I saw, I started to see her walk back toward the back of the room, grabbed a book and one of my cards in it. And I walked over to her and, uh, I was a foot away from her, maybe two feet away at the most. We were practically nose to nose. And I looked at her and she wasn't looking at me. She was looking in the direction of someone else. Um, and I couldn't hear anybody else talking to her, but I could see Dr. Gold looking looking at them as they were talking. So I could get this wrong, but this is my experience and this is what happened. I looked at her and I said, Dr. Gold, Dr. Gold, Dr. Gold, Dr. Gold. And I'm handing out my, I'm handing my book out to her and she's not looking at me and she turns her back to me and she walks away. As soon as that happened, one of Dr. Gold's handlers, and I'm going to call her a handler, because there were a couple of handlers there, and you could tell that. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of PR, public relations, uh, controlling people around some of these people, in particular Dr. Gold. And again, with all due respect to Dr. Gold, I think she's spinning way too many plates on her own here. She's choreographing too many things on her own. Um, she's remarkably repetitive with her, with her messages. She's saying the same thing over and over again with nothing really new to add. Um, all of that was beyond evident, but this particular interaction was interesting because as soon as she turned around and walked away, I was still standing there with my book, just hang, handing out my book in an outward direction. One of her high energy, we'll call her handlers, female shorter than me, uh, darted right in front of my face. And she looks at me, and I'm going to mimic the tone of voice here as best I can. It wasn't pleasant, I'll put it that way. It was certainly a little more hostile. She looks me right in the face and she says, Excuse me, who are you? Dr. Gold is busy. Who are you? <laughs> I was blown away. and I And I said, I said, can you hand this to Dr. Gold, please? And I handed her my book, and she takes it in her hands, and she goes, I'm, I'm sorry again, who are you? And now I'm starting to get a bit amped up. And I pointed at my book, and I said, I'm the guy that wrote that. That's my name right there. That's me. I would like you to give her that book. And that's what I said. She looks at me and she starts to look down at my at my at my lanyard card that has my name on it. And she says, "I'm sorry, who are you again?" I mean, she said it like 2-3 times after I just told her. I flipped my card around on my lanyard. I showed her my name. I said my name and I pointed to my name on the book. Now I'm starting to question this woman's intelligence. So I'm starting to think maybe she's just not well. And then I said, I just need you to hand her that book. That's all. And then she looks at me again, and she says, I'm sorry, who invited you? And she actually said that to me. I was blown away. Who invited me? Why does that matter? Why does that matter? I'm thinking in my head. And I'm, now I'm starting to think, wait a minute, who are you? Who are you? And what, what is going on now? What, what is this? And again, 
I looked at her and, and I said the name of the person who invited me, who was, again, a part of their public relations, media relations crew. And I said her name and I looked back at her and I said, is that good enough? I said, all I need you to do is hand her that book. Can you do that? And she goes, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, I can do that. I said, thank you. And I turned around and I walked away. It was arguably the worst interaction I had all day. It was the only negative interaction I had all day. And it was at the end of the day. And it was right there with one of Dr. Gold, Simone Gold's handlers. Now, again, as I've said in the past, I think Dr. Gold is spinning way too many plates here, trying to control a little bit too much. And these handlers that are around her and, and, and running this PR stuff, everybody's got their hands in the cookie jar. Keep in mind, these are the same people that thought singing We Are the World was a good idea. And they were belting it, by the way. I mean, they were, they were, they were screaming that song and yelling that song at the top of their lungs, in particular, all of the PR people who were in the room. I mean, I felt like I had stumbled into a thespian high school meeting. It was, it was bizarre. But that woman was part of that crew and part of that group. Very bossy attitude, very, I've got it all figured out. I'm going to tell you, she doesn't have it all figured out. She doesn't have it all figured out. And some of these handlers and clingers on and these people that, you know, are associated with this kind of stuff, you know, they, they got to they gotta keep their, they got to keep their fangs in. And because if they don't, then they're out of a job. Even they are involved in this to some extent. And I thought it was, a, it, I thought that that exchange was remarkably unprofessional. A simple handshake would suffice. You know, she could have turned around and said, Dr. Gold, um, there's a man here, Dr. Sean Brooks. He has a book he'd like, he'd like to give you for free. Um, he has a podcast, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that would have been a nice professional exchange among a thousand other options, but that's not what I got. What I got was a nose-to-nose, who are you? Who invited you here? Who are you again? It was bizarre. And that's putting it mildly. So fortunately, I did walk up to um, Tracy Ford and I walked up to Steve Daniels and I gave them a copy of my book. They were very grateful. They were very grateful. I gave them, again, my card. I said, come on the podcast anytime you want. Talk about what you've done. Talk about what you've experienced. You know, make some predictions. Say what you want to say no holds barred, say whatever you want, because that's what this podcast is for. It's not about holding back. It's not about towing the line. That's not what we do here. That's not what I do here. So that's, that, 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 was, that was it. That was my day at the uh, America's Frontline Doctors White Coat Summit one-year anniversary in San Antonio, Texas. That was, that was it. That's how my day ended. It was, it was an odd ending to the day. Um, but I, I can't let that can't let that ruin um, the the observations that I made all day long. Which again, you know, I'm I'm not going to grade it on a scale. I'm not going to give it you know an A, a B, a C, a D, an F. I'm not doing any of that. I'm not going to give it a five out of five or a you know eight out of ten or anything like that. I'm not not doing that. All I'm saying is is that there were things that didn't get said that need to be said. There was a lot of repetition. 
that I thought was a bit unnecessary, but there's also a lot of misinformation even in the factual information that's being disseminated out to the public. And again, these presentations are all going to be online on their websites, so you can watch them yourself. But that was my take. That's it. That's my, that's my perspective as to what went on. I wish them the best of luck in the future. I won't be attending these in the future. I'm not saying that because of, of one bad interaction. That's not it. Um, I'm ahead of the curve here. I'm just ahead of the curve. And I'm not afraid to pull. I'm, 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 well, I'm not pulling punches, but I'm not afraid to throw some haymakers and make some, and make some uh, honest to Christ uh, objective decisions as to what's going on here and predictions as to what's going to happen in the future. So I'm going to summarize it by saying this. Again, I've, I've, I've said this a lot on this podcast, and, and it, I'm going to say it again. The abusive card has been played when it comes to what's gone on in American schools. That card has been played. If you send your children back to those abusive environments that were abusing them with mask wearing, distancing, plexiglass, um, cafeterias that look more like prisons than they already do, shower curtains in between the desks, etc., etc. If you send them back, then you're sending them back into an abusive relationship, which means you yourself are being abused as a parent or as an adult. That's what that is. It's no different than any other abusive relationship where an individual gets punched in the face and then the person doing the punching apologizes, gives them flowers, takes them out to dinner, tells them they'll never do it again. And then they go out to dinner with them again and they go out with them again and they hang out with them again. And what do you know? They got punched in the face all over again. That's called the cycle of abuse. That's the way that that works. And that's what's going on right now. And that's what's happening. So that card has been played. The only way to defeat it is with a lack of participation. People have to self-govern. They have to self-govern. But they've got to wake up first before they can self-govern. Because if they're dead asleep, they're just going to keep sending their children into these slaughterhouses. And that's going to be the end of it for them. So that's all I've got on the conference. That was my experience. Um... Again, I'm going to try to put together at least a couple more episodes here this week, maybe one for one for Wednesday, one for Friday. I'm still on the road, still bouncing around, but um, once I'm back home, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly get back on the regular schedule of, of, uh, of things. Again, if you have any other questions, you can email me, reach, reach out to me on Gab, and there you have it. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That was it. That's that's what I heard. That's what I saw. So take care, and uh, I'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care, and God bless. <laughs>